everybody, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me, Chris Denson, your gracious host. I am, do I seem gracious? Or do I seem like... You seem cool, actually. Okay, oh, you're a cool host. Um, <laughs> in case you guys are tuning in for the first time, and by the way, your voice is a little deeper than mine. I'm going to I'm gonna have to man up for this. For this <laughs> uh, if you're tuning in for the first time ever, this show covers all things innovation, ideas, creativity, smart people doing smart things, and uh, the buck does not stop today. Say hello, Louis Diskin. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah, I'm right where I want to be. Well, well th- uh, thank you. If, you. if that means being here, or you just you mean philosophically. Yeah, both. both. Okay, all right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, give us the, the, the 90 second version on uh, who LZ is. I'm going to call you LZ for the rest of the interview, by the way. Um, all right, TD, no problem. <laughs> No, but just give us like a little bit of an introduction on on who you are, what you've been up to, uh, and then we'll get into some some nosy questions and conversations. Cool. Um, Louis Diskin, I'm the founder and CEO of Drop In Inc. and Drop In Auto Inc. We're a live video collaboration platform for insurance company, media, and auto dealerships. Um, what what does that mean? So it means an insurance company, for example, if you called and said, hey, I have water damage in my home, three or four days later, they send out an adjuster. Well, now they'd say to you, hey, Chris, do you have a smartphone or access to one? And you say, sure. And they say, great, we're going to send you a text. You click on that text. It opens your camera. You start live streaming the damage to them right now. We've integrated smart picture into our platform. So we're able to extract measurements from those pictures. It's all GPS tag, date stamped, all kinds of data. And now they don't have to send an adjuster out in most occasions when they're using our platform. Improves customer service and the bottom line at the same time, which, as you know, being around businesses, that's a rare thing to be able sure. to do. Usually one costs the other. Um, and then we also were the only company in the world that we live stream in the same video collaboration platform from drones. So we have a half second latency on a drone flight. So you could literally tell the pilot, fly right, fly left, up, down, et cetera, and control it. Um, and we're releasing in about two weeks to the App Store our mobile app for that. So consumers will be, be able to access the same drone fleet that insurance companies and media companies can currently access with our enterprise platform. Uh, that's really smart as you probably already know, uh, <laughs> why did you do it? Like, where did the idea come from? Because I mean, it's such a, when you look at something like drones, right, and they're relatively new and they're very much novelty, there's, you know, toying around with delivery and things like that, you know, uh, industry-wise, but then you said insurance. Well, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't start there, obviously. <laughs> we ended up there because we were looking for a target, but how it started was a couple of years ago, I was reading through the proposed FAA regulations for commercial drone pilots. And it said in there that- Why only, were you even doing that? Only an, something an ex-convict would read. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. So I was just happy to be reading it. And um, the, the proposed guidelines said the pilot could only fly the drone 400 feet high and had to have the drone line of sight. So immediately my brain, before I even thought what I would do with it, was like, well, oh, you don't need to control the drone. You just need to control the guy who's controlling the drone. So I called a senior engineer, Nurasada Armar, who's a dear friend of mine. He's a senior engineer at Samsung. And I asked him, hey, can we do this? And he said, yeah, DJI's doing it to YouTube Live now. I went to Amazon, ordered next day delivery. I put get it, put the drone up in the air. And I realized that it was on uh, one to two minutes latency, like all the broadcast networks are. People don't realize Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Periscope, all that stuff. You're not, it's a minute to two minutes latent. You're not seeing exactly what happened. So that wouldn't be tenable for what I want to do 
you can't tell a pilot to fly right if you're seeing what he saw a minute ago. Right. And then that's how we got started developing in-app live streaming, low latency with two-way VOIP. So you could basically remote control a drone from anywhere in the world. And you got excited enough by this opportunity to, because, you know, I, I feel like most entrepreneurs or most people have a dozen ideas a week. You're like, I'm going to start a bakery that doesn't use flour. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. So what ended up happening next is I, when I explained that to Nuri, he said, listen, what you need is in-app live streaming with two-way VOIP low latency. So I called a shop and uh, they referred me a guy by the name of Ahmad Alakush. And then I was worried because I didn't know anything about tech. I was worried that, you know, they would play me for stupid. So I hired another guy, Ian Broyles, through a referral of my friend, Ronan Verbit. I didn't tell them about each other, though. Um, so when one had a problem, I'd tell the other one. When the other one had a problem, I'd tell the other one. So they thought I was the smartest guy in the world. And I got the demo done in twice, in half the time for twice the price. So, again, it's am I the jackass or am I a genius? I mean, time only tells, right? <laughs> Depends which side of the table you're sitting on. Right. And, you know, so um, cut to present day. Uh, I think it last last we talked, you said you're up over th 3000 pilots, uh, um, 3500 th worldwide. Yeah. OK, um, so, yeah. How does this actualize today? Like what is happening in the marketplace with drop in and with the drone part of your business? We're currently in a paid proof of concept with farmers for drones, which is a big thing for us. Um, they're big big name and we're the only ones offering this kind of service so that's that's really our number one priority yeah. right now is servicing that but basically what happens is you log into your dashboard and you can order either a direct where you send a text to a camera phone or an existing drone asset that's in the field or you can order to a dispatchable resource where you put in the, the crowdsource model the uber model lack of a better everybody says don't say uber but it's the most clearest way it's to okay. speak it's the clearest way to talk the airbnb yeah yeah <laughs> it's the shared economy version <laughs> yeah exactly so <laughs> i prefer to be direct and i don't yeah. need a five dollar word to explain it when uber does it perfectly well and uh so you just put in an address the drone pilot goes over there puts the drone up in the air and begins like you watch him on the map and uh when he gets there he starts live streaming to you and he tells you hey what do you want to see at the end, for the enterprise platform, you get the data, the GPS, all that stuff, the date, the time, everything at records um, that insurance companies need. But consumers are going to be able to try this in a couple of weeks. They're going to be able to download the app in the App Store. They'll be able to order a drone wherever they want. And um, they'll be able to direct that pilot during it. Afterward, they'll get a call summary and a link to their video that they can download, share, do whatever they want with. All right, I want to ask a couple of dumb questions. Yeah. Um, uh, a, what areas are the regulations easier than others because is that state federal you know local um and then what happens if it rains or if it's windy it's funny because the irony of this and the answer to this question is for the first part of my life i circumvented federal law and now i'm waiting for them to finish doing it because the sooner they do it the <laughs> easier it'll be for us to deal with it because right now you deal with different state regulations even down to local municipal municipal regulations so you have federal requirements, which is a part 107 pilots license to fly commercially. Then you have state requirements and you have municipal requirements. And so I'm dying for more regulation in this area so we can it'll make our job easier. Um, so you, you had some idle time to read up on drones. Um, tell us about uh, the your the was it you started this company two years ago? Yes. So, uh, you know, three, four years ago, you had a very different life. 
Uh, if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, four <laughs> years ago, I was just coming home from, uh, I was on supervised release, federal parole. I'd spent 12 years in federal prison on a drug trafficking charge. So, yes, I had a lot of time to think about not going back to prison. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, let me read these trades right quick and see what else I should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I came home and got into real estate. We built some spec homes in the valley. And uh, and then this came to me. And everybody else is kind of like, oh, we have to do a market analysis. We have to do this. We have to do that. Not For me, it was enough that nobody else, nobody else is doing it. Okay, that's what we're going to do. There's no analysis I'm not, to be done. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> waiting 90 days for you to give me to pay you 15 grand to do a market analysis for me. That's half the cost of the demo. So when we last spoke, um, you kind of mentioned this, your cadence as a, as an entrepreneur, right? Like how you kind of j- just take it day by day and, uh, and look for these momentary successes versus like we're headed over there, you know, a thousand miles from here, let's march hard. Um, and I, you know, as we were talking, I was thinking about how a lot of that came from your serving time. Um, um, just really focusing on the moment and what you can do right now. Um, just tell us about the relationship between, you know, what, what you learned behind bars and how you apply that to, you know, your, your business acumen today. Well, the world really slows down, right? When you're in prison, you can't do all 12 years at once. You'd love to do it and be done with it, right? So you can only do a day at a time. And then you're dealing with the bureaucracy in a federal prison, um, you know, when you need you get closer to getting home and you need your social security card or you need paperwork or you need things signed off and things tend to move very slowly because there's no need for speed. The only thing they hurry you up for is to wait. Um, So people tell you, oh, you can never do 10 years. You won't make it 20 years or guys won't make it 30 years or whatever. But you know, the guys I saw that did that and who got out and they did it, they had to do it one day at a time. So when I came home and and I decided to do this tech company, people told me, oh, you can't do that. You don't know anything about tech and you can't sell to insurance companies because of your background and you can't launch another vertical into the auto industry. I didn't get, I knew where I wanted to go. So I knew which direction to put my steps in, but I just decided, okay, I'm gonna take these steps. And now Dropin has got the technological advantage on companies that have been around three times as long as it right. we have a clear, you know, and now people aren't saying that anymore. People are coming and asking me for my advice and my consulting of how to do something like this in two years for the amount of money we've done it with, which is n- none of my competitors can do that with all their VCs and their suits and their, you know, expert opinions and all that stuff. They're, they're not doing anything. Close to <laughs> you, can, you can say what you wanted to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, what does that competitive ecosystem look like? And, you know, what are aside from the day to day approach, like what are they doing wrong or what are you doing better? Well, I think they're great companies. I don't talk negatively about competitors because that would kind of diminish myself if I'm saying I'm great because I'm ahead of them and I'm saying I'm not playing against talent. Then that means I'm not so good myself. Um So I think they have great companies, but they have use of funds restrictions. They have VCs that come in and invest in them and tell them you can only spend money on this and you have to be laser focused on that. And you know what? That's a great way for people to run a business. What I did is I said, okay, this is what they're doing. And this is by a step here, by integrating smart picture with my partnership with Andy Graff over there, we're able to take measurements that they're not able to make. Um, We have the drone thing that they don't even contemplate. 
uh, we're able to take measurements from those drone photos. We have technology now that we've written the code for, because I'm betting on Google and Amazon to be able to break down that commercial pilot requirement of line of sight to deliver packages. We've already written the code that the drone can take. If we had drones stationed all along the 405 and there was an accident, we already have the code written where that drone could take off, fly right to that GPS coordinates, and then I can have a mini auction amongst the insurance companies as who wants control of it. Right. Right. So we just do those things and we don't, we don't look, we don't look sideways. We just look ahead. What we, and I try not to look in the rearview mirror either. This is what we're doing. And if you get worried, I hear entrepreneurs all the time, they're so secretive and they're so, oh, you can't tell anybody. But sometimes you need to advance with people. Right. You know, and if you're always going to be scared of losing something, make sure you have something first before you act like you're scared of losing it. So every, like you said, everybody has an idea, but it's nothing unless it has a voice somewhere. Yeah, it's only as good as it is executed. Exactly. You know, um, and most people can't execute as a one man or one woman team. It's just not possible. Uh, speaking of which, you know, there's a lot of articles and materials out there on you um, and the company. But, you know, you've got a you got a couple of soldiers here behind me that are making me nervous. Um, <laughs> one is one is like sitting in the shadows. Just uh, <laughs> is, I don't know if he's controlling a drone or texting. But um, tell us a little bit about the the people that you surrounded yourself with, you know, to uh, to advance to, to, to this level? Well, I just surrounded myself with people that I recognize what I don't know. For example, Jen Friel sitting behind you. She handles all our social media, marketing shows, stuff like that. I knew I didn't know that. So I could have tried to take the time to learn that or I was fortunate enough to meet her and she's a natural. We got along really well. I'm an old fashioned person. I meet people face to face. I get a vibe on them and then I hire them or I don't to work together, not for me, because she has to educate me as she's doing what she does. Right. Uh, no, that's great. And then, um, you know, you talked a little bit about a future, right? You know, in terms of pieces of, of uh, technology you've developed, things, you, the way you can see the world. Will you ever kind of jump in and take an active role in changing the regulations or like working with the Google directly to say, hey, we're going to link arms and actually be able to do the 405, you know, idea? Um, or, or are you kind of like just focused on the product at this point in time? Like how much are you going to step outside of drop in to to make sure, you know, to ensure your own success? Well, if Google calls me, I'm going to take the call. <laughs> right. you know, that, I'm going to take the call, but I have, we have so much stuff, so many things in front of us. We have first customers, we have a little bit of revenue, we have stuff going on that we have to take care of those people first. And, you know, certainly if, like I said, if Google calls, we're going to take the call, but we're also realistic about what it is. You know, we can't, you can't build the roof without the foundation and, right. and you can't, you can't put drywall without framing. And so we know that we're not going to do anything because it looks good on the top end that we try an initiative that's going to ruin the company. I've, I've seen that happen before with friends of mine who they get a purchase order from Walmart and they think they've hit the lottery and it broke, bankrupted them. They couldn't deliver. Yeah. You know, and so I don't want to be put in that position either. And we're taking our nice steps and we keep moving one step at a time ahead. And 
and that's what we do. You're this weird mix of like practicality and philosophy, right? Like it's it's like there's twelve a, years in prison. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, and that's what I was going to get at. It's like, but you've t- you started to take that, you know, on your more let's say philanthropic side, and I know you go and you speak about recidivism and rules of engagement for once you're out, like here's how you need to change your mechanics. And I think even, you know, we talk a lot about this where the entrepreneurial journey is very is very much not much different from the 12 years you did, right? It's yeah. like you're locked in a box and trying to figure some stuff out and then eventually you either thrive or you don't. Um, how does that part of your life, you know, come up on a day-to-day basis just that, that Louis Ziskin going in, or, I'm sorry, LZ, going in and, and, and talking to um, to uh, individuals about, about his journey. I get a lot, you know, I've talked to groups. I, I did a couple career days. I was just at Beverly Hills High for that. You know, and I talked to kids there. I get a lot of private families who are friends of the family or friends of friends of the family who've now heard my story and and see what I'm doing. And they asked me to come talk to their kids in addition to that. And I actually, I have to tell you, I like that better because I get to spend time one-on-one with them. But I, either way, if I'm speaking to a group or I'm speaking to an individual or a couple brothers or a brother and a sister, um, I, I kind of do it a little differently. I don't tell them to give up their dreams. I don't tell them to go work at Costco, although that's a great job. If you need to do it, labor's respected. Um, and, but I do tell them, hey, I got to a level in that business, in, in the drug business, that you're not going to get to. Um, and all, I had all the things you say you wanted, but I acquired them all in a way that precluded me from enjoying them. I never really enjoyed them because, you know, the 1999 Mercedes I got and then the 2000 came out and it's like, oh, man, the 2000's out. You know, I mean, it just never ended. And you put yourself in this very, very destructive loop. And then you're looking over your shoulder at the same time. Right. So you're you're doing things that you think other people will think are cool rather than doing what you want to do. And that's what makes us happy um, is doing the things that we think, you know, we explore, we experiment. Oh, I, I'd like to try this. I'd like to go on this trip. I'd like to do this thing. And when you're in that world, you're not really doing that. You're doing that world and you're collecting what you think is supposed to be collected. And uh, that's it. Um, and what I tell them is I say, you know, I say, look at tech, you can ha- you can make much more money than you can on the other side of the street. And they come back to me and they say, Google, Facebook, Twitter. And I say, but you know, the amazing thing about tech, and then I start teaching them about Moore's law, where the doubling of processing power makes opportunities. There's going to be an opportunity tomorrow because of processing power that did not exist today. Right. So don't let the Googles and the Twitters and the Facebook make you think that game's over. That game started all over again every single day. And if you want to have those things, get them in a way that you can really, really enjoy them. That's, that's fantastic. And, and I think... You know, that's philosophy. And then the practicality part of it, right? A, yeah. uh, and a, on a very personal note, like I have a family member who just went back inside, you know, after doing also 12 years. Um, so I think there's the the application of those principles. And the same thing, like you give advice to entrepreneurs, you give advice to a CEO, a client, that like they take it or they don't. Yeah. Um, habit is a hard thing <laughs> to, to break. Uh, but from a practical standpoint, what have you seen as like a successful means of breaking habit? Well, I think it comes down to this, and this is my life's experience with people who are face addiction or 
criminality or gambling or stuff that's, you know, not illegal, that, that's just bad habits. Like when freestyling in the grocery store? Yeah. yeah. When people take responsibility <laughs> rather than blaming, I think is the key factor. And it's exciting to me because when you see someone taking responsibility, you see, wow, that's really someone I want to surround myself with. They're the kind of person that that's really going to get stuff done and, and can change things in their life if they need to. It's also disheartening because if you really listen to people talk, most people blame. And I think that is the... That is the key core element, and I think it transcends everything. Geopolitical association, geography, race, religion, financial status, people that take responsibility, even when all the responsibility is not theirs, and say, hey, these are the rules, and now I'm going to play, rather than, oh, I was playing, but I didn't know the rules. Right. You know, those are the people that I think that's a practical um, how would I say that's that's a practical way to look at someone and and think wow this person can really move forward and this person still needs to work on that so if there's 12 steps in AA if there was a Lewis one step it would be that's the one step because to me that opens the door to everything yeah own it own it yeah just like own the good and the bad it's I was I think I told you on the phone I was I've been reading the four agreements and it was one of the principles is don't take anything personally and whether it's good or bad, right? If something good happens to you, don't think like, oh, I'm, I'm awesome, right? And if something bad happens, don't think I'm a shitty person. It's, it's like life happens around you, so yeah. not, and maybe not to you. Um, uh, so with you know, your uh, experience, one of the other principles I was thinking about is like, well, if you can do that in that game, why can't you apply that to <laughs> the outside world? Um, you know, what sorts of, uh, previous skills have you applied to your, you know, the, the oh, drop in business? There is a direct line, best product, best price. It's that simple. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is. You want to, you know, in that world, I went from very small to the biggest in six months. And it was all based on that on the other side of the street. So, you know, the, it was the biggest case yeah. still to this date that the U.S. has had for MDMA. Um, six months from start to multi-million pill shipments. Um, Drop-in is all about that. Best product, best price, customer service. Yeah, That's what it is. People want to feel special. It doesn't matter if it's on a street corner, in a boardroom, anywhere. If they feel like you're taking care of them and you're giving them the best stuff at the best price, whether you're Costco or you're Gucci, you know, if a woman feels this is the best pair of heels she can get for 1100 bucks, she's going to buy it. Right. You know, it, and, and that's the thing. That's, you know, you manage expectations. You don't overpromise so that people realize that they can trust you and that you have a certain and you keep your word. And you give people the best stuff at the best price and you can succeed anywhere in the world at absolutely anything. Have you been talking to Jeff Bezos? No. Has he has he taken has he no, taken but, a cue from you? No, but, but I'd take his call too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We have him on the phone. Uh, no, <laughs> no, but like even I think it uh, Monday, you know, uh, Whole Foods prices are going to drop. Yeah. Right. So it's the same thing. It's like best food, best price, and look how many documentaries and problems and health and like the whole world is affected by bad food. Yeah. And a, you know the joke is always oh, whole paycheck. Right. I'm yeah. not going there. Like I'm going to go to whatever store I have access to so um I, I love that 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 principle um 
you know, you talked about, I guess, the the haters or the naysayers saying, like, you can't do this. And then, uh, you know, to some extent, that's probably real. Like, you walk into a room to talk to State Farm or farmers or whomever it is. Um, how do you go about just the power of storytelling and persuasion and, and turn have people turn a corner? Um, you know, it's kind of it's basically it's sales at the end of the day. We all have to sell ourselves in some way. You may have a little bit of a harder sell, but or maybe you don't. Um, but how do you how do you approach that? Well, there's two sides. When we're customer facing, it's hey, look, we've got the best product at the best price, and here this is what I do today, and this is what I did 18 years ago. Now, you know, it was 12 right. years in prison, three years on paper, you know, and I've been out for four years. It's 18 years ago, and you know, this is what I do to try to make up for that. You know, a guy told me the other day, he's like, you, Lewis, you know, I really like you, but I have a daughter. And if somebody ever got her hooked on drugs, I'd kill him. And I would do the 20 years in prison. How do you feel about that? And he's like, how do you make up for that? And I said, I can't, you know, I justified it to myself back then that I wasn't the guy on the street corner, but I enabled it. And so what I do is I try to give back as much as I can. So whenever there's any kid or, you know, older person who comes home and has, you know, my office has people in there, Bo Bassett, sober for two and a half years. Uh, Shannon just came home nine months ago. I do everything I can to give back and to try and recapture some of what I've taken, um, you know, back to the community or give back that to the community. And I'll never be able to to justify it because I don't lie to myself anymore. What I did was horrible. It was a horrible mistake. Um, it was one of the hardest things for me to realize considering myself um, intelligent that the biggest calculation in my life was wrong and there's no justification for it and I can't ever make it right, but what I can do today, I do. And right. And that's it. That's I mean, insurance I seems like a great way to do it, though, right? I mean, because at the end of the day, like, if I get in an accident, I want the best service, best price, and I want this fixed, you know, yeah. as easily as possible. And I think your, you know, technology and uh, allows people to do that. You know, I always tell entrepreneurs that I advise or talk to is just like, don't forget there's an end like there's a human being, you know, yes, there's a B2B relationship, but there's somebody like at home who has a broken leg or a broken arm that you have made their lives a little bit easier. Yeah. So, uh, so kudos for that. Um, uh, and that's a work, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to just gloss over that because that's a work that's going to go on for the rest of my life. Long time after tech, I'll be giving back to the world. You know, I do charity stuff now. Jen has me into you know, I really love this charity, Backpacks for Kids, that Jen introduced me to. You know, when I, I saw some of them and I'd seen the scams in prisons about these nonprofits and this and that. But they have such a great thing. It's um, they, they take all the kids in Florida who are entitled to meal programs, you know, based on uh, low income. And then they so they get breakfast and lunch in school. They This group sends them home with a backpack full of food for the weekend. I mean, wow. what a great that's thing. Amazing. So then I thought, wow, that's super cool. And then I looked into it and I realized they don't take a single dollar for salary. The events that they put on come out of their own pocket. 100% of, and I, this is exactly what I looked for next before I wanted to get involved because I've seen those scams. Right. Even with great ideas. And I've seen the dudes locked up for it. And I think they're horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, all. <laughs> um, and they... Every single dollar they spend comes out of their own pocket. Every dollar that's donated goes to food. Every 
single dollar, 100 cents out of every dollar. And to me, that's amazing. And so, you know, you did the math so fast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I was like a hundred cents. Uh, <laughs> it's like nobody man, counts my calculator. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't heard anybody say a hundred cents in like a, a dozen years. Um, uh, man, you, I threw myself myself off. Um, you mentioned something in an interview, and it just kind of caught my eye, which is the word insuretech, um, and. I, I didn't even realize that was an industry like fintech you've heard of, you know, there's all the other industries and technologies you've heard of. Um, what else are we, you know, missing or should we be looking for in the insurance side of the game when it comes to technology and, and things that you've seen? So there's, you're absolutely right. Fintech you've heard of. And until two years ago, InsureTech was part of fintech. Right. And it's been broken out. So it's like a new thing and it's a hot area. I think the big thing that's coming is uh, analytics where they're taking all kinds of data, like what time the claim was made, what what geography it is, what's the person's claim history. And you see like Lemonade paid a claim in four-tenths of a second. Using analytics, they were able to tell, hey, this is probably a good claim. We're going to pay out several hundred dollars for this, four-tenths of a second. Now, that was a gimmick, right, right. to get press, but that's where it's going. Um, you know, and then you start getting into... Predictive. Um, I think insurance, I was on a panel with Ben Way, and he said something that really stuck with me, and, and it makes perfect sense. They're going to assign all your car insurance, health insurance, life insurance. Soon it's going to become, this is CD's lifetime risk portfolio. This is your insurance price for everything. Right. You skydive, you skateboard, you're 28 years old. You look, maybe you're 27. Um, <laughs> Almost. And, and, uh, and, uh, and you drive uh, whatever car you drive and you live in this area. And this is what your lifetime risk assignment is. And, wow. and you're going to get a one payment type thing. Yeah, we've been looking at uh, just a, a team that I work with. We've been looking a lot, a lot at predictive analytics. You yeah. know, you take mobile data plus you know, the, just societal data plus your personal habits. And not only is your insurance become prescriptive, like the things that arrive at your home, the messages you receive, like all the, the, the whole marketing world becomes, I know you almost to a T. I, yeah, I may, I may not see the the stubble on your face, yeah. but uh, but I may know how often you buy razors, right? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's There's actually something... Even more interesting that's happening, I just met a gentleman and I signed an NDA, so I can't say too much. But what they're doing is is they're taking how you, when you fill out forms, right? And then they're comparing that to your social media and how you present yourself on Instagram or Facebook or however. And then they're saying, okay, a person who presents themselves like this is really this. Mm. Because we all know, like, Instagram is best angle, Photoshop, best picture, right. all staged. So now they're going to be able to take what, you, proje yeah, what you project out as your <laughs> avatar, right? And then tell you who you really are. That's amazing. Right. It's it's really amazing. Well, IBM Watson even does it to, to an extent. Right. They uh, there's a company called uh, Influential.co and they like it's an influencer ecosystem plus IBM Watson and Watson an analyzes these 52 personality traits that they look for on social media. But I think you know, what you just touched on is like, but yeah, but who are you really? Right. Yeah. Like that. That's uh, that's, a, that's a cool thing. Right. And so then they'll be able to, you know, 
do what they do with that data, which is all kinds of stuff. I mean, the, the one thing that since I've been in tech for the last two years is it's just amazing. Like people think they know, oh, they're, they're scraping my data here and there. They, you don't really realize how much information. I mean, I, I, to me, I go, I'm like, Big Brother has always been watching, yeah. right? Yeah. As you very well know. Yes. <laughs> but no, it's like uh, like whatever you're trying to hide or sweep, but like it, they are, they already know, or if they want to, they'll they'll find out. But now they're going to know by the way you sweep it what you were trying to hide, right? Even if you got it under the rug by the brushstroke. Um, you've seen a lot um, in the last two years, and then I'm sure just during you know during the the time you were away, you've got to absorb a lot of information. Uh, the show's called Innovation Crush. Um, what have you seen out there recently that you're personally crushing on? What's the thing that gives you goosebumps when you like encounter it or when you heard of it? It might be a meal, it might be a ride you went on, it might be a piece of technology you came across. I don't know. Well, the thing the thing I'm crushing on right now is my girlfriend. And after 12 years of no girls, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the center. Yeah, that's the center. <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, I leave and I'm at work and then I come back and, you know, everything's in between when I leave and come back. That's and amazing. I, and so I'm really, really happy with Gigi. And uh, that's really what I'm crushing on. As far as I, I don't Shout get... Shout out to Gigi, by the way. Yeah, I don't get to emotional about ideas because I look at them as commodities. It's one of the things that slowing down for 12 years in prison taught me. And I think it's one of the things that other uh, entrepreneurs sometimes have a problem with. They get emotionally attached to an idea um, and they forget why they're doing it. They had this idea in order to make money. And so if the money tells them to move a little bit to the left, they allow the emotion of the idea to keep them to the right. And while sometimes that works out, in the majority of cases it doesn't, because if you look at every pitch deck of every successful company, that company doesn't resemble that pitch deck at all. Right. So if you're emotionally attached to ideas or technology or something in the future, then you put yourself at a handicap. I choose to be emotionally attached to people. Um, you just gave me an idea for a book. It'd be cool to see like early, like a book of pitch decks. From, let's do it. Like, yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's start collecting them, Jen. Yeah, what do you say? Do you know? All right. All right. Only uh, 700,000 people heard the idea, so, but we'll, 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 we'll execute. We'll, yeah, we'll be first. We'll execute. <laughs> <laughs> um, last but not least, uh, complete this phrase for me. Uh, innovation to me is? Opportunity. Expound on that. Well, because when you innovate, great, you have this new tool that you can do. Or, or an improved tool that you can use, but how are you going to use it? That's the opportunity. What are you What are you going to do with it? If you answer that question correctly, then you can have whatever it is you want. Yeah, I, I think that's so real. It's, um, I mean, it's, like again, when uh, when uh, I came across you, I was like, drones and insurance. I guess so. Like, it, it, but be, otherwise, it was like drone racing league. It was, you know, my sister in law telling me like there was a drone in front of our window. And there was no sort of practical business use in the, you know, the Amazon delivery came and went. You know, so it's uh, it's interesting that to to apply it to something real. And actually, that was my opportunity because what had happened, all the VCs that wouldn't invest in me because of my background, whenever you said drone to them for the last five years, they threw money at it. 
And these idiots didn't realize that all they were doing was creating a mailing list that now I get to come and pick up for pennies on the dollar. <laughs> and there's a hundred cents <laughs> in every dollar. Yeah. Um, where do people find you? Where do they find more about Drop In? Um, uh, Dropinink.com, uh, lewisiskin.com. Awesome. I'm not hard to find. Uh, good. Um, so, everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush. Thank you for coming by. This is great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Really had a good time with this one. All right. We will talk to you next time.